Chapter 4 The weeks immediately following Finney's death went past painfully slowly. The car crash was in the Cambridge Gazette, the local paper. Local boy dies in horror crash, father in critical condition. It was awful to see Finney's life reduced to that. A headline, a story, tittle-tattle. Finney's first appearance in a newspaper was also his last, and instead of focusing on his effervescent personality and many achievements in his short life, it was a short, abrupt story about a tragic death, a life cut dramatically and devastatingly short. There was very little detail about the actual incident itself, and this remained a bit of a mystery. There was no mention at any point of another vehicle or anything suspicious. The article mentioned the fact that it was raining at the time. I assumed that the car had lost control in the rain, but I figured I didn't really care, and it didn't really matter. Finney was gone, and nothing was going to bring him back, so what was the point of thinking about how he died? I was angry, but more than that, I was sad. So incredibly sad. I spent almost two weeks in my bedroom, not doing a great deal at all, looking through old photographs, playing some video games, but not particularly being able to concentrate. Me and Finney always used to try and win the World Cup as San Marino on FIFA. We never quite got there, but I decided I was going to try and do it in memory of Finney. After multiple attempts and very little success, I even gave up on that. My mum and dad came in from time to time to try and talk to me, but I wasn't sure I was ready to talk. I said very little to them. I could tell they were worried about me, so I gave them the occasional reassuring comment to try and put their minds at ease. Mainly, though, it was so they would leave me on my own. It feels horrible to say that. I love my parents dearly, but at that particular time, there was nothing they could do or they could say to me to make me feel any better. Come downstairs, love. Come watch some TV with me and your dad. There's a film on soon. Something about the SAS looks right up your street, Mum would say. Thanks, Mum, but really I'm fine. I would reply. I wasn't, of course. In the meantime, however, I was feeling I couldn't help thinking about the Finns and what they were going through. Mrs Finn had said goodbye to her only child, but had no time to grieve. Captain Finn had been in a critical condition in hospital. It became apparent very quickly that Captain Finn would never walk again. His legs had been badly damaged in the accident, and he had also obtained a spinal injury that meant he was paralysed from the waist down. Mrs Finn stayed by his side all day, every day, hoping and praying that he would pull through. Gillian needs to get some sleep, my mum would say. She'll make herself ill, and then when John wakes up, she'll be too sick to look after him. As it happened, Captain Finn did make a surprisingly quick recovery. The one time I did manage to make it out of my room was a trip to the local hospital to see Captain Finn. I went, fearing the worst. What on earth would I say to him? Or Mrs Finn, for that matter. I could barely begin to come to terms with the enormity of my loss, but for them, it was beyond comprehension. I needn't have worried. Ah, there he is, the Wonder Boy. Captain Finn greeted me with a smile. I was gobsmacked. Not only was he awake, but he was sitting up, and seemingly in good spirits, considering the awful twist of fate that had befallen him. Let me tell you something, my boy. Captain Finn boomed. I've got to get out of here. The food is shocking. The decor is woeful. The bedside manner is severely lacking. 
That was Captain Finn. In the worst imaginable circumstances, he was still trying to crack his little jokes. Besides, we need to give our Isaac a proper old-fashioned send-off, don't we, Sam? I wasn't sure that the enormity of the situation had hit Captain Finn. How could he be so pragmatic and matter-of-fact in such a horrendous situation? I figured it was to do with his military background. He's probably used to saying goodbye to close friends, but this was his son. I didn't know whether to be angry or admire him. I guess we all react differently to grief. This was my first experience of it, so I had nothing to compare it to. Mrs Finn, on the other hand, barely said a word. She gave me a very long hug and whispered, I know you will be hurting like we're hurting. Let's be there for each other, okay? She looked at me with careworn, glassy eyes and I duly nodded. I wanted to help the Finns, but I'm not sure how I could. More than anything though, selfishly, shamefully selfishly. At this time, I just wanted to get back to my bedroom. Ten minutes later, and after a silent drive home, I escaped back into the sanctuary of my room. Eventually, after three seemingly never-ending weeks, the time had come to say our final goodbyes to Finney. His funeral had been delayed due to the serious condition that Captain Finn was in. Mrs Finn was in no way ready to think about a funeral, but was gradually encouraged to do so by the ever-pragmatic Captain Finn. Captain Finn's condition was gradually improving, so much so he was allowed to leave the hospital for the day to attend the funeral. The funeral was a massive event. It had caught the attention of a lot of people. The Finns were very respected in the community for their generosity and giving of their time to various causes. Captain Finn was somewhat of a local celebrity for his larger-than-life persona. That, aligned with the tragic circumstances of Finney's death and Finney's huge popularity within the school community, meant a huge number of people turned up. The funeral took place at Ely Cathedral, a huge ethereal building, and it was no exaggeration to say that it was almost completely full. The whole school had turned up, as well as family, friends and mourners from all around Cambridgeshire and beyond. I was pleased in some ways. This was an incredible way to say goodbye to an incredible person. It was no less than Finney deserved and was testament to his character and personality. On the other hand, and I am embarrassed to admit this, I felt weirdly angry at the other mourners. Why were they there? They didn't know Finney like I knew him. He was my best friend. This should just be about him and me. Close family, close friends, not all these other people that vaguely knew of Finney, but probably never spoken to him. All of a sudden, a strange hush came over the cathedral. The Finns were gradually making their way up the aisle. Mrs Finn was pushing Captain Finn in a wheelchair. All of these people, here for our boy, I heard Captain Finn say to Mrs Finn, his voice breaking as he spoke. Tears were streaming down Mrs Finn's face. She nodded back at Captain Finn and carried on pushing the wheelchair up to their places at the very front. Mrs Finn seemed completely overwhelmed with the whole event. Unsurprisingly, I thought, I'm sure she, like me, would have preferred a much smaller crowd. Then followed Finney's coffin, carried by various extended family members. It was a thing of beauty, actually. The coffin was draped with a huge white sheet that had been printed with various photos of Finney's triumphs. On the coffin were quite a few photos of me and him together. I smiled and then started crying. It hit me that we would never have those times again. 
At that moment, Mrs Finn looked over to me. She smiled and nodded. I smiled and nodded back. The service was quite long, with some readings and some of Finney's favourite songs. It's probably the only time that Gangnam Style has been played in Ely Cathedral. I've no idea why, but Finney found that song hilarious. His dance to it did always make me chuckle. The daft so-and-so. After the service, we went back to the Finns' house for the wake. Thankfully, this was just a small group of close family and friends. We watched a home video from a holiday that we had gone on with the Finns a few years ago. Twenty people crowded around the screen, laughing and crying, smiling and sobbing. It was an emotional evening. Slowly but surely, people started to leave, until it was just us and the Finns left. Come with me, Peter, Mrs Finn called over to me. There's something that I want to show you. She led me outside into the garden. Look up there, Peter. Look how amazing those stars look. What an incredible sky. Isaac would have loved it. Mrs Finn softly exclaimed to me with a look of rueful wonderment. I couldn't help but agree. It truly was something to behold. For whatever reason, the stars seemed somewhat brighter than normal. It was as if the stars themselves were giving Finney their own special send-off. Now look very carefully. Can you see the star in the sky that looks the brightest of all? Mrs Finn pointed. I followed the line of where her finger was pointing. Then I saw it. There really did seem to be one star that shined brightest of all. I see it, I see it, I exclaimed. Well, Peter, that is our Isaac star, Mrs Finn proclaimed. I looked back at her for a moment with a look of polite agreement. Really, though, I wondered if the emotion of the day had got to Mrs Finn and she wasn't quite thinking straight. You look puzzled, Peter, dear, Mrs Finn said with a little smile. Let me explain. In some cultures around the world, People believe that when someone passes away, they become a star in the sky. I like that thought. I like to think that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that Isaac is there with us. It's comforting, you know. I understood immediately and nodded. I like that idea too. We were all struggling with the thought that Finney was gone. Forever. It was so final, so definitive. We would have to eventually learn to carry on our lives. I knew that. But I like the idea of always staying connected to Finney somehow. That star, that brightest star in the sky, that's our Isaac. Each noise I've been coming here and talking to him. Just telling him how our days have gone, how his father is doing, that sort of thing. He would want to know. It all made sense. That had to be Finney, the brightest star. That was him, in life and now in his next life, whatever that meant. Thanks for showing me, Mrs Finn, I said. I'm going to do exactly the same. Each night I'm going to chat to Finney, I mean Isaac, and tell him everything that's going on. I don't want him to miss out on anything. You're a lovely kid, and a credit to your parents, Mrs Finn told me with a real genuine warmth. And please, call me Gillian. I smiled and looked back again at the bright star. Finney's star.